This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Nyla Boodoo. It's Monday, July 26th. Mask mandates are up, requests for college financial aid are down, and we're taking stock of our friendships. New research is out on friendships post-pandemic, and the takeaway? We have fewer close friends than we once did, and maybe that's not so bad. Now, this may have everything to do with a global pandemic, but a new American Perspective study says we're talking to our friends less often and relying less on friends for support. Three things to know here. First, it may not be just the pandemic. 30 years ago, 33% of U.S. adults reported having 10 or more close friends, not counting their relatives. Today, that number's down to 13%. Second, in 1990, three quarters of us said we had a best friend. But in 2021, just 59%. Third, 22% of Americans say they haven't made a new friend in the past five years. So what does this all mean? Does the data point to a serious erosion in the American community, or is this the inevitable and even positive reaction to the first global pandemic of our generation? Today, we explore what friendships mean in 2021 with Professor Suzanne Deggs-White, who researches all of this. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Suzanne Deggs-White, who is chair and a professor of counseling and higher education at Northern Illinois University. She's also the author of Friends Forever. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you for joining us. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I wanted to start by asking you about research that I think many of us have probably heard during the pandemic. How many friends do we actually need to be healthy, functioning individuals? Is there an actual number? I wish there were an actual number, like a doctor can write a prescription, you need to add three more friends to your friendscape. But actually, it kind of varies. But the important thing is to have at least one good friend, one friend who you can trust, who can offer support, and who can be there for you, and more importantly, for whom you can be there. So one good friend is essential. And most folks find three to four good friends totally adequate. And that seems to be the magic number, because you get more than that, and you're not going to be able to keep up with folks. There's going to be too many demands on your time, and you're going to feel like you can't be the friend you really want to be. How has the pandemic changed that number? You know, it's interesting about the pandemic. I'm in the middle of a research study right now where we're assessing how friendships and romantic relationships have been shifted and shaped by the pandemic. And it turns out that a lot of brand new friendships have sprung up from the pandemic and a lot of friendships that were a regular part of people's weekly lives, monthly lives have really gone by the wayside. So it really isn't, this is what exactly what happened for everyone. There's been a really big shift in the way we do friendships. And you use the term friendscape, which seems particularly relevant to what we're talking about right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, when we look out on a landscape, you're going to appreciate things I might not even see. You know, it's kind of this different perspective, and we all need something different to surround ourselves with. And so a friendscape is that landscape of people that we need or want in our lives. And sometimes things show up, people show up that we really realize that they're not benefiting our lives, that we really don't need them as close by or as in close proximity to us that we thought we did. And so we really want to kind of shape our social friendscape so that we get the most from that and don't require more upkeep than we can really manage. So just to belabor the analogy, it sounds like you're saying that we need to do some, this is a good time to do some pruning, perhaps? Some pruning, some weeding, some shaping, some nurturing. I think that's the most important thing that the pandemic taught us, that if we don't invest and care for a friendship, if we don't nurture that relationship, it's not going to thrive. What about relationships that you've realized you don't want to nurture anymore? How do you cut those people loose? As I said, I'm doing a research study right now, and a lot of people said they realized the folks that weren't their friends were the ones who didn't keep invested in them. They weren't, they were the people that didn't check in on them, even though they spent the energy to check in on their friend. And it kind of came to a natural end. And so it kind of the finality came a little easier than it might have because the pandemic gave us distance and isolation. So we didn't have to show up somewhere. And so everyone kind of gradually kind of retreated. And as they did, some of these relationships ended naturally. And others, when people want to pick them back up, you know, you can say, well, you know, right now I can't be the friend that you need me to be. And that's owning what you're willing to do. And it's not saying, hey, you're a, you're a sucky friend. It's saying, I can't be the friend you need me to be. What are you hearing and what does your research show about the pandemic and the isolation that we all went through and how that maybe changed our different friendship needs? That's an important thing. Some of us who were more introverted really enjoyed it in the beginning because we didn't have to mingle. We didn't have to show up places we didn't really want to. But then again, those forced in exchanges and those forced intersections made up a lot of the social life of some introverts. And so introverts, after the first month or two, they really began to hurt for those connections. And they realized how much they value friendships. Whereas a lot of folks realized that the energy put into relationships really didn't pay off in the way they thought it would. And so they really curated the friends they wanted to stay connected with through the pandemic. Isolation for some people gave some friendships a chance to blossom because as we got connected with people through Zoom, DDR, whatever it was that you and your folks were doing to entertain yourselves, some friendships kind of naturally blossomed and grew deeper because it was this more intense connection. And other relationships, you know, when you went to these big groups or gatherings online, you realized you didn't have much in common with folks. And so you were kind of happy just to kind of isolate back into yourself. Other folks during the pandemic, which I think is fascinating, develop new relationships through social media and, and, and the data I'm collecting about Twitter connecting people because they like the same posts. TikTok users develop friendships. So really that isolation affected folks very differently depending on where they began and then what their needs were during the pandemic. And I think the role of technology is so interesting here. And I wonder how much you think in person, it sounds like in person isn't necessary for intimacy or for friendships. You know, that that's what came up. And a lot of us think we've got to see each other really, you know, you want to see your friends all the time. But it turns out that sometimes through technology, 
as much as you might get tired of those interminable, I think, Zoom meetings, Teams meetings, all these things, you know, we are so exhausted from that, but it does allow an intimacy. And in fact, we had to switch to telecounseling, and that turned out to be very effective because folks felt safer revealing things, sometimes from the comfort of their own home or if they needed to be in their car because they were living in a home where it wasn't particularly soundproof or safe to be online with a counselor, they were able to be more authentic. And so sometimes we can be very genuine through technologically mediated communications versus just face-to-face. And can I go back to the TikTok? How different is it generationally? Like when we think about this youngest generation, TikTok is their phone. So they are developing very intimate relationships sometimes with people that could be completely across the country. And you really hit it because when I I collect age information from the people I survey, and so the folks in their 20s, TikTok showed up, Twitter showed up, WhatsApp showed up. People in their 30s were the first group that really talked about values, growing awareness of values, and that splitting people. The people in their 20s, it was more about interests and how they stayed connected. But by the time people get to their 30s, values matter. And you're talking about values much more through Zoom calls, through um, that kind of connection versus TikTok and Twitter. And then 40s and 50s, it's mostly Zoom and and Zoom calls, things like that. So when we're in our going to 40s, kind of midlife is when you really shift what you're looking for in friends. You no longer need those kind of colleague friends or the workmates who are going to help you get promoted. You don't need all the going out together, social friends, um, hanging out, partying. But you want people to understand who you are and really get you. And so Zoom, it can be a really good platform for folks to connect when you're focused on conversations and discussions. Any kind of electronic phone call is great. What have we learned during this time that we can take eventually into the post-pandemic world that hopefully we are moving into? A lot of that is recognizing that you don't have to be all things to all people and the need to focus on who you are and what you value. I think that value and depth of friendship across the age span was really what was key to folks. You know, how deep is this relationship? What is this relationship built on? And are our values shared? That was really the kind of the splitting point 30s on. People talked also about neighbor friendships. And really, there's three ways we become friends with folks, proximity, shared interest, and shared life stage. And so a lot of neighbors grew super close because those were the only people you could see. People who worked through the pandemic, Zoom calls, office happy hours brought a lot of friendships to be that weren't friendships before. They were colleagues or just neighbors. And also essential workers really learned to value one another because they were out there facing the pandemic in ways others weren't. So what this really taught us was to value our neighbors, to focus on spending some time on that metaphorical front porch and not just on our back deck, because that there's a whole there's a whole slew of information about how we've shifted and how we build homes. And we've lost connection with the people that we've learned when things get tough, the people that matter is your next door neighbor who can get you yeast when you can't find it in the grocery store. Suzanne Diggs-White is a professor at Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, but she's also the author of Friends Forever. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Welcome back. What we're watching today is New York City, which just announced this morning that by mid-September, all of its 340,000 city workers must be vaccinated against COVID-19, or tested weekly. 
This comes as dozens of medical organizations are also speaking out in favor of mandating vaccines specifically for healthcare workers, something we've seen overseas in Greece and France and across the U.S. Hospitals and medical centers are increasingly mandating vaccines for their employees, too. The bottom line, the Delta variant and stock vaccine rates are keeping COVID on the rise at home and around the world, and local and national governments are once again in containment mode. We'll have more about vaccine mandates and what's happening in New York City on tomorrow's episode of Axios Today. And we're done. Big thanks to our producers, Justin Kaufman, Sabina Singani, Alexandra Boti, and Alex Sugiyara. It's National Disability Independence Day, and today is the 31st anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. 